You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. <laughs> This is another laugh or cry story. Laugh or cry. You got to choose whether it's a laugh or cry. And, and I have to say, of those two options, I increasingly feel tempted to choose the latter. I just, I don't find this stuff funny anymore. Not that it ever was funny. But I'm at the point now where I don't know what else to do but to break down in a puddle and weep. I haven't, I don't know when there was the last time that I wept because I'm a man, okay? And men don't cry. But, I, but I, I think even that rule might need to be suspended. Because I don't know what else to do. Here we have a story from Brown University. Uh, Ivy League, right? It's the, the vaunted Ivy League. I think they're in that club. Ivy League school. And so I just want to read a bit of this uh, to you, the story from campusreform.org. If I could, if you'll indulge me. Just a little bit of this story from Brown University. This is what Brown University is up to. Um, uh, The article says, Brown University's student body president will be hand-delivering menstrual products to to all non-residential bathrooms on campus, including men's rooms, with the help of 20 other students. Viet Gwyn, president of the Undergraduate Council of Students, announced the initiative in a campus-wide email Tuesday saying he wants to communicate the message that not all people who menstruate are women. Not all people who menstruate are women. The initiative is meant to also communicate the message that pads and tampons are necessities, not a luxury. We wanted to take it into our own hands, Gwyn explains in the email, observing that low-income students struggling with Uh, Having the necessary funding for food, let alone tampons, deserve to be provided for. By putting menstrual products in women's, men's, and gender-inclusive bathrooms, Gwynn aims to set a tone of trans-inclusivity and not forget that they're an important part of the population. But Gwynn is under no illusions that the effort will be universally popular. And this might be my favorite part of the entire thing. Uh, He says, I'd be naive to say that uh, there won't be pushback. I've had questions about why we're implementing this in male bathrooms as well. It's an initial confusion, he says, but people generally understand when we explain it. They generally understand when we people initially are like, why are you putting tampons in the men's room? Men don't menstruate. And then we explain, oh, actually, they do menstruate. And then they understand. And then everyone says, oh, okay, well, they do. All right. Well, if you say so. Well, in that case, it's like uh, I was sprinkling pixie dust on myself and uh, about to jump out of a window so I could fly. People were confused at first, but they understood when I explained it. When I explained to them that, oh, no, you know, it's easy. I can fly. If I take a pixie dust, I can make myself fly. Don't you understand? Don't you understand? You understand now, don't you? I can make myself fly. People who, have, who use pixie dust, dust can fly. 
I know I said laugh or cry. I'm choosing laugh right now. I'm choosing laugh because it would, it would be unseemly for a grown man to cry in a podcast. My dad always told me that growing up. Son, men don't cry, but especially they don't cry on podcasts. Okay, my dad doesn't know what a podcast is. Um, I mean, that's anyone over, anyone over uh, you know, f- 45, 50. You tell them, oh, you know, I have a podcast. And they'll say, oh, so that's like radio, but pretend, right? Oh, that's cute. That's nice. And I guess it is, it is kind of pretend, pretend radio. I have to be honest with you. Anyway, imagine this. Imagine that you fork over the, uh, what is it, 50 grand a year, 50 grand a year, you fork over 50 grand a year, 200, 250,000 all in for your son's education, your daughter's education. Then, um, and when I say son or daughter, I mean, you're, it's both a son and a daughter, obviously. It could be your son slash daughter. But you fork over this, uh, this money, and then he, he comes out after four years, and guess what? He's dumber. He's dumber than when he went in. He's dumber. He got dumber. They took this impressionable but eager and curious young man and they turned him into an imbecile. And what do you have to show for it? Debt up to your eyeballs. That's all. You took someone who was a college or a high school senior. Maybe they, you know, not the smartest person in the world, not the most informed, not the wisest. But they generally understood the way the world works. You know, they, they just basic fundamental biological truths they basically understood and then they come out of their time at college and they don't even understand that anymore it's been deconstructed now i know this is changing because they're indoctrinating these kids to this stuff from an early age so uh, you know they might not be getting dumber in college anymore because they're already insane by the time they get there and so they're just a little bit more insane at the end of it and so maybe you'll think well that's not a big deal and maybe it isn't, all things being equal, but is it worth 50 grand a year or, or, or 20 grand a year or 10 grand or five grand a year? At this point, I would pay my kids not to go to college. I'm going to pay them not to go. I will, I'll say, you know what? I, I will pay you the equivalent of tuition to not go. Dear God, just don't do anything but go to Go and do, I mean, just run into the backyard, spend the next four years bashing yourself in the head with a hammer and that would be better than what you're going to get at a lot of these colleges but this is what happens when you remove truth from education when you remove truth and that's the thing i've made this point before but it bears repeating we're told that um we're told so often that our college campuses around the country are filled with whiny you know wussy invertebrates who need safe spaces and trigger warnings to shield them from concepts that scare them and everything else. We're told that our nation's universities have worked very hard to instill and foster this attitude into the student body. It's politically correct attitude. We're told that the problem on college campuses, the biggest problem anyway, is that students are hostile to opposing ideas, to beliefs and opinions contrary to their own, et cetera, and so forth. We're told all of that. And a lot of that is true. No question about it. But what I believe, what I would suggest, uh, that the problem isn't so much the fact that students are hostile to ideas. The problem is the sort of ideas they're hostile to. There's nothing wrong with forcefully, even angrily opposing, denouncing a belief system. 
I, I think there should be a lot more of that in this culture, actually. And this is where I, I, I get accused of hypocrisy, and I'll talk about why I, this is not hypocrisy. But on one hand, I'll get on the case of, uh, of the you know, so-called SJW, social justice warrior, who freaks out and gets angry at the kind of things I say. But then, you know, I, I will actually encourage Christians to, well, not freak out, but to be righteously angry uh, about the lies, about the heresy, about the blasphemy, about everything else that happens in our culture. I'll say you should be less tolerant. You should be more outraged, more outspoken. And somebody will accuse me. I'll get accused of hypocrisy. They'll say, well, that's a double, double standard. How can you, you know, with one, you say that and the other. Well, because for me, it's not really the reaction itself I have a problem with. The trouble is that belief systems grounded in truth are denounced. The ones based in lies and wickedness, insanity, are respected and celebrated. That's the real issue. I would contend. So I think we need to be more specific. We can't just say college campuses should be more welcoming of ideas. College campuses already welcome many different ideas. There's a lot of ideas on college campuses. A lot of them. A lot of different ideas I I think you'll find on college campuses. It's just that they, they welcome all of the wrong ideas. They welcome ridiculous and stupid and crazy ideas nihilistic ideas, confused, contradictory ideas, bad ideas. It's the true and good ideas that are shunned. And therein lies the whole problem. So let me give two other examples to uh, illustrate, illustrate my point. I think I've talked about this before. A few months ago, I went to a college in California to give a talk on transgenderism. All right. And in my talk, and I was invited to, to speak on this subject. I was asked to speak on the subject. In my talk, I, I proposed the radical idea that I've discussed in writing many times. It's a very radical, controversial notion. But uh, you know, the point that I was making is that men are men and women are women and that human beings don't get to choose between the two options or between 57 different options or however many different options are available now. Naturally, my talk was protested, boycotted. Uh, many students gathered together in a building down the street to shield themselves from my, my hateful and, and bigoted and scientifically accurate propaganda. They didn't call it a safe space. I don't think they did anyway, but that's what it was. They all got together and they said, we don't want to hear what this guy's saying. So we're going to huddle over in this building over here and we're going to insulate ourselves from it. And we're going to be in our own little group and we'll tell each other how right we are about everything. Now, a lot of people would say that this is another example of college students being sensitive, wimpy little babies. And I can see why they'd say that. And it's true to a certain extent. But, but I don't think, here's my point. I don't think the protest, the boycott, even the safe space were the problem in principle. The problem was the reason why they protested why they boycotted, why they fled to their safe spaces. They did all this because someone dared suggest that men have penises. So that's the issue here. It's the reason for the reaction, not the reaction itself. Because if you take that exact reaction, the one that I saw, and you supplant it into a different situation, and you give a different reason for it, all of a sudden the reaction could be quite reasonable. Let's look at another example. 
back in April. Cecile Richard, Richards, uh, CEO of Planned Parenthood, prolific mass murderer, one of the most prolific in human history, spoke at Georgetown University, which is an alleged Catholic school. And um, from some members of the student body, although probably not enough by my count, she received a reception similar to the one that I received, although angrier and, and probably uh, larger in quantity. Or the reaction that any conservative receives on many college campuses. Students protested her. They boycotted the event. They had signs. A large number gathered in a church while this was going on and and prayed for the unborn. They didn't call the church a safe space, thank God. Sorry, someone's calling. Hold on. Uh, Anyway, so what was I saying? The church. Yeah, so they went to a church. They didn't call it a safe space. But some liberals characterized it that way, and they weren't totally wrong, because as a believer, I would say that a church uh, is a safe space and should be. Uh, We used to call it, I I think the word used to be sanctuary. Remember the the scene in in the Hunchback of Notre Dame where where he he goes to the church and he yells, sanctuary. So that's sanctuary, safe space, you know, different tomato, tomato. A place where like-minded people come together, a place that is safe. And that's what a church is or should be, although it's not in many parts of the world. The students who protested and boycotted Cecile Richards were being very hostile to Planned Parenthood's ideas. Uh, They were rejecting them. They weren't even listening to them. And that's good. I mean, they weren't even giving the ideas a time of the time of day. They, they refused to even listen. They wouldn't so much as sit down and say, okay, well, let me hear you out. Let me hear you make your case. So you say it's okay to kill babies. Let me, okay, let, let me hear your argument. They just flat out rejected it. They said, I don't even want to hear it. And in fact, because it was a Catholic university, a lot of these students, before she came, they went to the administration and they said, you shouldn't even let her on campus. I don't even want her on campus saying this stuff she should not be welcome in this environment they were they were intolerant they were hateful towards the idea not towards the person but towards the idea they hated the idea and they didn't even want to listen to it and i say good that's the right reaction they should hate the idea that's the right thing and if someone says i want to hold a talk a seminar about why it's okay to uh, to kill babies as Christians, as just decent people, we shouldn't say, all right, I'll come and hear you out. Let me hear you make a case. No, we shouldn't say that. Besides, unless we're completely oblivious, uh, completely ignorant, we've heard all the arguments already, and they're all bad arguments. They're all stupid arguments. None of the arguments are any good. We don't need to sit there and listen to the propaganda for an hour. We shouldn't. And I, you know, I don't think anyone at Georgetown showed up at, at uh, Richard's talk to challenge her or shout at her or anything like that. But frankly, I wouldn't care if they did. And yeah, guess what? People showed up at my talk about, you know, why men have penises. And people shouted at me or they, challenge, or they challenged me afterwards. They said insulting things. They didn't hurt my feelings or anything. I didn't mind. In fact, I like mixing it up with people, so I kind of enjoyed it. But... I thought about those people. You're ridiculous. This is ridiculous what you're doing. However, if someone had gone to the talk at Georgetown, a Catholic university where this woman is talking about, you know, why it's okay to kill babies. If someone had gone to that talk and shouted at her while she was speaking, I would say, good for you. 
and maybe other Christians wouldn't agree with me there, but I, I would do it myself and I would say good for you for doing it because that is not an idea that deserves to be heard. There is no truth in it. There's no, there's nothing, there's no redemptive quality to it. Um, and a person is not benefited from hearing it. And so, yeah, you react angrily. So if we're going to say that the major malfunction on college campuses these days is that students aren't accepting and tolerating, tolerating of differing ideas, then we have to conclude that the students at Georgetown are as deserving of ridicule as the students who protested me because I said men have penises. But are we willing to say that? Are we willing to say that? I can tell you that I'm not. Call me a hypocrite. I'm proud of the students at Georgetown. Proud of them. But I'm not proud of the students who are so afraid of the truth about gender and sexuality that they had to physically remove themselves from the campus when I was speaking. And that's the issue. That's what we should focus on. The problem on our college campuses, like the problem in our culture, gen- culture, culture generally, is the hostility to truth. And the problem with college kids, many of them anyway, isn't that they, isn't, it's not that they hate some ideas, because some ideas deserve to be hated. It's that they hate truth. They hate truth. And you cannot have an education system that teaches its pupils to hate truth. Because that is not education. Education, if it is education, must be by definition the process of receiving or giving the truth on a particular topic. The process of enlightenment. The process by which a person comes to more fully understand truth. That's what education should be. And if a person has gone through the system and, and they have not come to more fully understand truth, then they have not been educated. Their entire education was a waste of time. A waste of time. Complete waste. There was nothing good about it at all. It, the entire experience in abject failure. If at the end of it, the person, the student, does not have a better, clearer understanding of truth. The education was a waste. It would have been much better if they had not been educated at all in that case. Education, if it is education, should feed a person's hunger for truth and at the same time cause them to feel even hungrier for the truth. To almost, you know, sort of exacerbate the, 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 the hunger. I should say intensify the hunger. It should intensify the hunger while feeding it. If, but if education makes a person hostile to truth, then they haven't been educated. They've been indoctrinated. And those two things are not always the same. So what we therefore should be fighting for on college campuses and in the culture is not just an open dialogue, not just that people be more accepting of ideas and all that, but a dialogue grounded in truth and a culture filled with people who are more accepting of truth 
I'm not focused on trying to make people accepting of ideas, generally speaking. Just have an open mind, accept everything. No, that's not. That's not what we should be. I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said, uh, paraphrasing, that you know the whole point of having an open mind is that you find something to close it around. That you have an open mind and then you find the truth and you close your mind around that truth. So really, in that sense, we should have closed minds. We should be closed-minded in the sense that we have an understanding of truth and we're, we're closed off from, re- rejecting of anything that is not truth. So that's the kind of dialogue we should want on the culture, on campuses, a dialogue that leads to truth because that's all that matters. And that's the point. And that's going to do it for me. If you're going to the Values Voters, uh, the Value Voters Summit, we're going to be talking about this, this uh, on Saturday. Saturday, September 10th, I'll be doing a, uh, I'll be in a panel discussion with Dr. Everett Piper, and we'll be talking a little bit about this subject. So if I don't see you there, then I'll talk to you next week. Akruche, salus, Godspeed, everybody.